When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Welcome to the Wolverine Confidential Podcast. I am Andrew Kahn. I'm Ryan Zook. I'm Aaron McMahon. Michigan football returned last weekend and the Wolverines were impressive, dominating Minnesota in a primetime matchup on the road. Michigan State visits the big house this Saturday. We'll talk about what Michigan needs to do to avoid the upset. That and more on this episode of Wolverine Confidential. Guys, good to see you. We finally have a foosball game to talk about. Yeah, finally. An impressive one at that. Yeah, what a performance by the Wolverines. My goodness. I know we definitely weren't expecting that with our predictions. So, uh, 0 for 1 for all three of us to start off the season. Well, you know, we, we got an email to that effect. I don't know if he's also a podcast listener. You know, we're, we're very young and, and new to this this game of college football. Um, so, you know, just trying to, uh, you know, uh, find our way, get our bearings here in this uh, unique season. But uh, I, I guess, you know, Aaron, I do. I do kind of want to ask you about just kind of the atmosphere there with, with no fans and, and kind of what it was like. But, you know, we can also save that to next week till we get, you know, kind of can get two people's perspective on that but yeah i guess i'd like to hear about it especially on the road at night and all that yeah it was weird uh i took a train from downtown minneapolis the hotel to the stadium and i probably passed maybe 50 people the whole, the whole way uh and usually when you're walking to the stadium even you know hours before the game like we do you know you see tailgating and parking lots full and everything was desolate it was empty it was it was bizarre it was it was something i where i you know i've never been a part of before even when we were in college at cmu and mac games i mean mac games aren't really known to draw many people but at least they had a few more than than, than this game did I right think the official attendance ended up being i think 589 and that was all uh, parents and, and families of players but it was it was weird you, know, you can hear a lot there was no crowd noise to deal with uh press box was even spread out you know you get a lot several feet in between you and the, and the reporter next to you so it was it was something where you know something i'll probably never forget and it was, a, it was an interesting you know experience yeah. Um, well, there were, there was a lot of things that we had talked about, you know, for, for weeks, for months, really, um, you know, leading into to the season about, you know, you know, just kind of questions we had. And, you know, you don't necessarily get definitive answers, uh, you know, in the in the first game, but, you know, you get a You get a glimpse. Um, and I think, you know, that first one would be Joe Milton. You know, what would he look like as Michigan's quarterback? You know, you figure you needed him to be, you know, like really good with some of the other, you know, questions that you had. And it was just interesting because, you know, the first quarter, you know, Michigan scores uh, 21 points and Milton never really had to to do too much. And that kind of continued throughout the game. He was, he was very good, but, you know, there weren't any particularly long passes, you know, that were completed. There were some, you know, a lot of runs after the catch, but, uh, you know, his 
couple of his true deep shots, you know, didn't, didn't land, you know, and as a runner, he was effective, you know, you take away that the sack and it was, it was, it was good rushing numbers, you know, 70 for 60, seven rushes for 60 yards, if I'm remembering correctly, but yeah, he was just like very, very good and very efficient. And I don't want to say the word boring, but it just, it wasn't, uh, it was like a, you know, spectacular, unspectacular performance in a way. And he didn't turn the ball over. Number one key thing right there. Yeah, great point. It was, I think, the best case scenario for for debuting a brand new quarterback and offensive line for this Michigan offense. I mean, you you get a 70-yard touchdown run on the first play from scrimmage for, for Michigan. You get a defensive score. And then you you again, you get a long kickoff return late in the first quarter. So Joe didn't, like you said, Joe didn't have to do a ton early on. And I think that's what contributed to him getting becoming so comfortable back there. They opened the game with him throwing a 24-yard bubble screen to Blake Corum on the outside. I just kind of get him arm his, his arm good and him comfortable in the pocket. And I think the start was fantastic. You know, you could have like I said, you couldn't have asked for anything better. It got them going, it got, it got them moving. I know that first drive was hampered by the, the Ben Mason penalty and the, the block punt, but that's 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 another issue we can get into later. But yeah, Milton looked good. Uh, he wasn't asked to do much, but what he was asked to do, I, I thought he, he executed relatively well. Yeah, it, it wasn't a Graham Mertz style performance where he went out there and, and you know, light the world on fire, but it was satisfactory. And I wrote that, and I, I think I, I, I believe that he, he did what was asked of him. And he did it well. He didn't do anything spectacular, um, but he didn't have to. And I think that's all you needed. needed given the question marks with, with the quarterback and the offensive line situation. Yeah, I, I think Michigan's offense, uh, nine of their 12 drives either scored a touchdown or had a field goal attempt. So, I mean, if you can't really ask for much more efficiency out, out of your offense against the, a ranked team on the road road than that. Absolutely. And, you know, as, as I said in the intro, you know, we're, we're talking going to be talking about Michigan State. I think, though, it's helpful if you're, you're going to look forward to kind of, you know, look to the past, too, and, and see, you know, what what happened in, in their previous game, especially because, you know, as it relates to, to Milton and the offense, you know, kind of this that similar just steady performance is, is going to be enough, you know, to, to win a lot a lot of games. And, and I think that's certainly true uh, this Saturday against the Michigan State team that Know, lost to Rutgers at home and, you know, is a 23, 24, 25 point underdog in this game. Just sticking with the offense, we talked about how it was going to be multiple, you know, backs this year and not one guy getting 25 carries. And boy, was that true, like to the extreme in the opener. You know, Blake Corum got the first touch of the game, which I suppose was was surprising in a way if you were going to pick one guy. But in the end, four four running backs had between four and six carries. I mean, that talk about uh, balance. Yeah, and I think, like you said, we kind of expected it to some degree. I mean, we had heard all four, all four, you know, other names come up during the, the offseason. Josh Gass liked, liked what they had. Jabe Harbaugh felt like there was a role carved out for each each one of them. And Michigan tried to use them in various situations. I, I mentioned Blake Corum on the bubble screens. Hassan Hoskins, he broke that big run. They used them in more power situations. Zach Sherbin had that big run. So it, 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 was a, it was a good way, I think, to introduce all four of them in the game. And, and I do think there's there's some mystery at the running back position about what you know what exactly what exactly they have. You know, we know Chris Evans, but he hasn't played he hadn't played in over a year. Blake Corum was was playing his first ever game at the college level. You know, Zach Charbonnet was healthy finally. So I, I do think there's some mystery there, and that Josh Gass is trying to you know find out exactly what he has in, in an actual game. So I'm, I'm curious to see how the carries are distributed here in the next couple of weeks. I presume the Michigan State game is going to be something similar. But at some point, I have to think they're going to they're get a couple of these guys are going to have to bust out and, and get most of the carries. But yeah, it was a very pretty good game for the, the running backs. A couple of big runs, as I mentioned. You know, we had Charbonnet, you had Hoskins, you had multiple guys involved. 
two, like you said, two, 256 yards, five touchdowns. They averaged 8.3 yards per carry. I think part of that is the talent and, and you know, improved experience from this group. Uh, but I, I do think the offensive line deserves some of that credit too. Real quick on, on the running back. So the surprising thing to me, I, in my opinion, I think the, the, the least impressive running back of the group was Chris Evans. I know he had that one touchdown run, but other than that, every time he touched the ball, you just, you, you didn't really get wowed at all. Whereas, I mean, uh, Haskins had that long run. Charbonnet had that long run. Blake Corum looked explosive in a, a couple of his touches. It's like I did not expect Blake Corum's role to be um, that expansive in the first game. I know, I, I know he he only had a couple. Of, he had seven touches, which for a freshman running back making his college debut on the road is. I mean, the coaches weren't lying when they said he's going to play this year. So I know it's just one game, but that was my takeaways from from the running back position in the opener. And yeah, and we kind of talked about the offensive line as it relates to that. Thought it was a, a very strong performance. I mean, they looked like they played well together. You know, Harbaugh said, you know, they graded out pretty well, you know, individually. Yeah, I mean, it was there there were questions, of course, when you replace four starters. Uh, but yeah, I thought they handled themselves well. I thought the game plan was fantastic from Ed Warner. He's obviously the offensive line coach, but he's also the run game coordinator. So a lot of these run fits and these, these schemes that were, they used on Saturday were dialed up by him. And, and I do think the offensive line, they got, they got a lot of help. They had Joel Hollingford in there in several instances as a sixth offensive lineman. They used Ben Mason to their, to their advantage in, in, in run blocking. And I think that, that push and, and that extra help helped, especially in those, those long runs. You know, the, the Charbonnet wrote in the 70 yard run. That was one of the, one of the reasons for that was because Ben Mason picked up a block. They did their job. They, they exceeded expectations. I think like Joe Milton did. I, I'm curious to see going forward, if this is going to be, you know, the offensive line we see, I mean, it's obviously it's only one game, um, but going on the road and playing against, you know, at the time, a ranked Minnesota team, I don't think you could have asked much more from the offensive line. They, they looked um, cohesive as a unit. Um, I think, and, and, and that's not something we've seen from Michigan's offensive lines in the last couple of years, even last year when, you know, the, the talk was about the offensive line and how experienced they were and how talented they were. It took them a few weeks to get going. John Roney didn't play early on. So they had some younger guys there, but this group looked cohesive and, and, and dialed in. And, and I'm, I'm curious to see, you know, here in the next couple of weeks, if they can, can keep that up. Final sort of offense, offensive position group, you know, the, the wide receivers. Um, again, we, we talked about, you know, how would they be? Without a true kind of number one guy, nine different players catch a pass. Um, and I know, you know, those weren't all all wide receivers, but but still, they all got involved and, you know, looked looked good in some cases running after the catch. There, there were a couple that I thought, you know, guys, maybe, uh, you know, uh, Roman Wilson in particular, there's one catch that I saw, you know, from Milton that it looked like he hit him in stride. He could have kept going. He kind of went down with it just maybe to to, to be sure that, that, he, that he held on. But, um, yeah, it was... Uh, it was it was impressive in, in, in that way too. I mean, they moved. They certainly moved the ball through the air. Now, as far as uh, you know, just other other questions or surprises we had. Uh, some we talked about a lot was who was going to start at that second cornerback spot opposite Vincent Gray, and it was Jermon Green that ended up getting the start. I guess how do you guys think he did? I thought he played really well. I'm surprised he's not getting more discussion from the coaches and and, and Harbaugh. He had three pass breakups. He was involved in several disruptions. I thought he played really well getting his first start and everything else. I, I thought him and Vincent Gray both held up pretty well. You know, Rashad Bateman got his throws and he had, he had one big explosive play, but by and large, they, they did their job. I thought I, I, I have to say the quite the more question mark is at the safety spot. You know, I don't know the staff of Dax Hill. It sounds like he's going to play on Saturday, mm -hmm. uh, but if he doesn't, uh, Michigan is con has some concern there. I didn't think Kari page played very well when he was, when he came in, 
Uh, Michigan had to go to Hunter Reynolds at some point to fill in. So I, you know, Michigan better hope Dax Hill's happy or is, is healthy and, and, and sounds like he is. But again, we don't, you know, I, I don't know. So I, I thought those Jamon Green handled himself very well. I'm, I'm just, I'm curious if he can string, string together a couple of good games, but for a first time start for a guy who really wasn't in the mix, you know, a couple months ago when Ambry Towns was around, I thought he played well. Yeah. I mean, for, for him and, and uh, Vincent Gray to be left on an Island as much as they were and, and for them to to be as solid in coverage as they were was was really impressive. I mean, they both gave up one deep completion, one to Chris Autumbell and one to uh, to Rashad Bateman. But other than that, I mean, they 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 were blanketing those receivers all, all night and kind of limited the, any of those deep big play threats down the field. So yeah, very in my opinion too. Uh, Harbaugh said they graded out really well, and, and and after watching the game again, yeah, they they definitely impressed. I, I was going to say we didn't know if Green. Um, I wouldn't say Green's start was a surprise. We knew it. We knew someone had to be out there and that he was in the mix, but um, still, okay, that, that gave us confirmation it was him. Were there any other like surprises as far as, you know, personnel? I, I, the only one I can think of is that, you know, Eric all started at tight end, but again, it's not like he jumped Nick Eubanks in the depth chart. It was that Nick Eubanks was, was hurt or, or I guess unavailable. I don't know if we know if it's an injury or or COVID or, or what's going on, but that's probably just going to be how the season is where you don't really know, but he didn't make the trip. Is that correct? Was there any, was there anyone else that I'm missing? We were, we were told he didn't, he didn't make the trip, but then we found out that he did apparently. So I'm, that's been, that's a little confusing point at this point. I don't know what's up with Nick Eubanks. Uh, Jim Harbaugh really wouldn't talk about it this week, but we do know he, I, I know I can say for a fact, he was not in uniform Saturday on the field. Gotcha. Um, so yeah, any other, any other surprises as far as playing time or, the only thing I was surprised by was early on Michigan's two running back, one fullback set. They started with two receivers. I think most of us thought they'd go three wide, um, in some cases maybe four at some point. But it, it seems like Michigan is kind of molding. And again, this is only one game, so it'll be interesting to see what they do against Michigan State and Indiana. But they, they almost went back to the Harbaugh's more old-school power run, run fits while melding some of the, the new Josh Gaddis you know, speed and space type type throwing options. I was surprised by that a little bit. They they utilized Ben Mason quite a bit, especially in run blocking. Like I said, they threw a sixth offensive lineman in there quite a bit. As we talked about earlier, they're utilizing a lot of two running back sets, especially using the one one out outside. So I, I'm curious to see if they do that going forward. I, I it, it makes sense to me because Michigan really doesn't have a number one receiver at this point. I guess you could say Johnny Bell, but I, I necessarily wouldn't say that. I, you know, I'd be more inclined to, you know, if Nico Collins is around saying that he's the guy. I, I was surprised at how he did that. It'll be interesting, like I said, to see if they do that going forward. Uh, but it almost seems like they're, they're kind of doing more throwback offensive sets under what Jim Harbaugh liked to do while melding what, what Josh Gaddis has brought. Okay, so we've kind of mostly talked about, you know, kind of the good from, from you know, a 40 40- 49-24 victory against a ranked team on the road. Um, you know, kind of looking to dial it back, kind of if you're if you're a Michigan fan, to temper your expectations for you know Michigan State even and Indiana and beyond. Um, you know, there are there are some concerns. I mean, the first thing was kind of just out of their control, but I think it's worth pointing out Minnesota was missing some guys out there. Okay, you know, a couple offensive linemen that were expected to start were not out there. Um, you know, they did not have their their punter or, you know, or their or kickoff their guy, which, which mattered. I mean, like, I'm not saying Michigan couldn't have, you know, still just had longer drives potentially, but it sure helps when they're kind of squibbing it and not even squibbing it very well. And, you know, you're just getting great field position or the punts again, you, you've done your work to stop them, but you know, Minnesota absolutely cannot, you know, is, is just not punting the ball very far. And again, 
great field position. So I, I think those things, you know, have to be have to be pointed out. Yeah, it, it backfired on twice. I mean, yeah, you, you saw the, you saw the, the block punt, um, and then you saw the long kickoff return by Hassan Haskins, sixty was sixty five yards or whatever on the squib. So like Michigan capitalized a couple times. Or I'm sorry, not the block punt, the fake punt. Yeah, Michigan right. Was able to get them on. <laughs> and and that, again contributed to good field position for the Wolverines, and it, it seemed like all game they they had really favorable field position, especially early, and yep. and and that again contributed to Joe Milt not having to orchestrate or at least lead or engineer those those long drives that they they able they were able to do later in the game, but to start it was it was a lot easier for the Michigan offense than you'd probably expect. Yeah, I think the, think the drive right after the fake punt, they actually did punt the ball that time, and it was just an atrocious punt. It's like all right, that makes sense now why they would go for the fake punt within their in their own territory because that was that was not a pretty sight to see that the punt on the next possession. Now now while we're on special teams, I don't think Michigan played very well on special teams either. No, Maybe there you go. we're rolling <laughs> with this conversation. But you know they they have some work to do. Speaking of work to do, they, I think one of the things that came out of Saturday was special teams. Uh, you know, Jake Moody was was over three in field goals. Uh, now, the, Michigan apparently did not have Quinn Nordine available. Uh, he was on the field pregame in uniform. Uh, warming up like he usually does. Um, but Jim Harbaugh revealed after the game that he, he wasn't available. He was apparently dealing with an injury. Uh, they expect to have him this week. Um, but, you know, Moody, he handled all the place kicking duties, over three in field goals. And when you're an offense trying to put points up on, on the board, uh, in, in a quick fashion, uh, that's not going to cut it. Uh, so I'm, I'm, I presume if, you know, if Quinn Nordine is available this week, he will be the guy. Uh, but Michigan also had other, you know, special teams blunders. They had the, the, the block punt that they need to clean up. And so it, there's, there's things to work on there. I mean, that was probably the biggest glaring concern for me mm-hmm. uh, from this, this Michigan team this week. Um, I, I know there are question marks about the defensive line and, the, and defending the run. Uh, they gave up 150 yards to Muhammad Ibrahim. But I'm, I'm going to give them a break this week because a couple things. One, um, Michigan was deploying a lot of three-man fronts late in the game, and Aiden Hutchinson even addressed that this week in interviews. He, he thought they were going to throw the ball more late uh-huh. in the game because they were down so many points. Uh, so that's why they were doing three-man fronts, and, and Minnesota just kept running the football. So there And there were holes there, obviously, with fewer guys. So we'll see. Uh, you know, This defensive line, I think, is just too, too talented and too experienced to give up that many, that many rushing yards again to a running back. Um, but it, it is a question mark, so we'll, we'll monitor that here in the next few weeks. Yeah, the, the kicking, I mean, it made sense that Nordine like, wasn't available or at least wasn't 100% after the fact because watching the game, you know, you're th- I'm, I'm thinking at least, okay, we've seen Michigan have a quick hook for their kickers, you know, like you miss one, you know, we're going to the other guy here, and that didn't happen after the first miss or the second one. You're like, all right, well, what? what I guess it, it did not cross my mind. Oh, well, he wasn't available, but – yeah, that would that would make sense. So, yeah, that's something to to shore up this week for sure. So, yeah, I mean, you know, as it relates to Michigan State, um, obviously it's a it's a program. You know, we we cover here at M Live as well. You know, mlive.com/slash/spartans for that coverage, and there is there is a Spartan Confidential podcast as well. I'll give a give a plug to that if you guys want to listen to. I think their their Michigan preview episode is already out. So. Yeah, I mean, Michigan is is a is a huge favorite in this game. We we've seen it before. Uh, Twenty sixteen, I want to say maybe it was a game in East Lan- Lansing. Um, you know, Burrell Peppers had a big game. I think you know it was closer than that when all was said and done. Um, I think kind of Michigan dominated the the yards and stuff like that. But that's kind of how it's been in some of these years. Michigan, you know, wins the yardage battle and things like that. But Michigan State manages to to hang around and and you know be in the game potentially even into the fourth quarter. But yeah, you figure just you lose to Rutgers like that, that that's probably not not the case. But we'll we'll see what 
any, any thoughts about, you know, Michigan heading into Michigan state? I mean, for me, it just looking at the box store a little bit, I mean, Michigan state was able to move the ball. I mean, they had 369 total yards and most of it was through the air. I mean, if you take away Rocky Lombardi's two interceptions, I mean, 31 of 43 for 319 yards and three touchdowns, that should be enough to, to win you a game against a Rutgers team that hadn't won a big 10 game since what 2017. Um, but yeah, I mean, anytime you turn the field, I think they only put in two times. So it's like, you just say, talk about those two things. You're like, I'm sure Michigan state had a good chance of winning, but yeah, with, with seven turnovers, it's, it's <laughs> going to be going to be tough to win a game. And I don't think they'll have anywhere close to that against Michigan. Um, so I, I, I don't think it's going to be a close game, but I, I think Michigan state has a good shot at covering um, 25 point spread. Yeah. So we'll, we'll see. I think turnovers were just a symptom of Michigan state's lack of everything this off season. They got a new coach late, brand new coaching staff, no practice in the spring. They were quarantined for a while. They had what a month to prep and, and just kind of come together and figure out what they had. I, I just think you saw a, you know, unorganized, ill-prepared Michigan State football team. And I, I don't know if that's that was necessarily unexpected. I mean, I think they're going to struggle this year. I don't really see foresee this game on Saturday being close. I, I think that spreads right about right. I think it can go either way. Um, I, I think I just – when we went back and watched both week one, I think you saw a prepared Michigan team that ha- you can tell has a lot of players coming back. They're all – Michigan, you know, they brought back all their offensive coaching staff members. Um, they were just – they're ready to go. And Michigan State just – they just weren't. I mean, you're right. They moved the football pretty well. Um, Rocky Lombardi, I think, will be the key to, to Michigan State on, on Saturday. If he if he can be similar to how he was on Saturday against Rutgers, I think State will probably stand a chance. They can probably try and keep it relatively close. But just based on what I saw Saturday from Michigan, I, I think this Wolverines team is a step ahead of where everyone thought they would be. And Michigan State is probably where where most of us thought, maybe even behind. Um, they're just they're two different programs in different two different spots right now, and I think I think that's going to be shown Saturday in, in on the field. Yeah, I'll tell you this much. Rutgers is, you know, in that Big Ten standings board that you guys used to see behind me, which has now moved up to its, you know, prime spot in the living room. Rutgers is higher than it's ever been. They're they're fourth there in the Big Ten. <laughs> with all Big uh, Ten games here, they're one and oh. But yeah, I guess, you know, speaking of that Big Ten standing board, I've added a new feature. It's the COVID X. I have to put an X through games. I had already yes. filled out the matchups for the week and uh, Wisconsin at Nebraska. They, they get X's uh, over them. And I, I just think it's relevant to talk about because, is absolutely something that could happen to Michigan at some point this season, if not, you know, directly to their, to within their team, to the opponent that they were going to face that week, you know, having an outbreak. And it's just, it's just the nature of, of, you know, college football right now. Um, and especially in a league that had, uh, you know, no wiggle room with, with buys or whatever. So, you know, and can you imagine that? I mean, like you're, you're Michigan. I mean, it's kind of similar spot to Wisconsin. Big win, uh, you know, blowout win. You're, you're riding high and you're, you're ready for your next game. And then it's just, it's just not happening. Yeah. I mean, it's absolutely something that, that could, you know, befall Michigan at, at some point this season. It's truly the great unknown here in the Big Ten. Uh, you know, all it takes is one outbreak and you miss, you know, you have a game canceled, maybe potentially more. And then it, what, it potentially wipes out, you know, what you've built or your chances of getting the Big Ten title game or whatever. Uh, yeah, I, I, it's, it's unfortunate for Wisconsin. I think you're probably going to see it happen again at some point in this big 10 season. Uh, I thought it was, you know, almost unrealistic to expect every single big 10 team to get through a nine game and nine week schedule. It's just, especially with given what's everything, everything that's going on 
you know, we've seen games canceled around, around college football. Cases are rising, rising around the U.S., especially here in the Midwest. I mean, it's not surprising to me. It's unfortunate. But, uh, yeah, I mean, it's something we're going to have to monitor every week. You know, and not only from Michigan's side, but it's opponents. I mean, right. I'll take if an opponent wipes out, Michigan won't, won't play that Saturday. And we saw today or yesterday what uh, Nebraska tried reaching out and scheduling a <laughs> – a, uh, a non-conference game against UT Chattanooga. Uh, Big Ten apparently nixed that, it's been reported. So there's they're just down at least one game. You know, Nebraska will not play a game, even though they're ready and prepared and, and by all accounts tested. You know, they're relatively successful with the testing this week. Mm-hmm. They're not going to play football, and it's not their fault. It's the opponent's fault. But that's the nature, I think, of this college football season here in 2020. Yeah. And if we want to talk about, you know, as it relates to Michigan with Wisconsin, they're scheduled to play November 14th. So two Saturdays from from this one. It's just too early to know uh, really anything about what players would be available. There's the 21 day rule in the Big Ten, which is just going to come under further scrutiny now that it now that it's real. I mean, you knew that was the time frame, but now to actually have, you know, players sitting out. Um, but, you know, as it relates to, say, the quarterback, Graham Mertz, you don't know if the test truly was on Saturday and 21 days would take you through the the Friday before the game, he'd be allowed to play the next day. Um, now, would he be, after having done nothing for 21 days, would he be ready to take the field? I don't know. I also just think it was one game. Let's not say he's Joe Montana and that it's a major deal either way, whether he plays or not. But it's just it's just too early to have any idea whether when Wisconsin exactly will, will be back. You know, they could play next week, but you just don't know. It is funny to think like if 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 Wisconsin was able to play this week, they would likely be down to their fourth string quarterback, and Michigan won't even say who their third string quarterback is at this point. So if any sort of outbreak happened with Michigan at the quarterback position, it would not be a good situation for for the Wolverines. So yeah, for them especially, they have to really mitigate the the spread because at a lot of positions, they don't. I don't think they have as much depth as as maybe some other teams in the conference. Yeah. I mean, the team, the team, we've said it, the team that, you know, is standing at the end is going to be one that yes, was, was talented to begin with, but um, you know, stayed healthier could, could sustain the losses maybe better than others. Cause Minnesota, they may not have had a ton of guys out, but you know, a couple of guys on the offensive line. And then, you know, you don't have your kicker, your punt, like these, these things matter. It matters like who it is, of course. I don't know. It's a weird thing. Do you want like one position group kind of decimated or just a, a, you know, a handful of guys all over the place? I mean, neither, neither is uh you know, is ideal. But, you know, with that, we did give our Big Ten kind of lock of the week last week. Is that something that's going to be a weekly thing or since you guys both botched it in the first week, are we done? I, <laughs> I say we do it. Uh, um, yeah, sure. Uh, like I said, I gave my kind of my two locks. I said after we we all took Illinois, that Wisconsin was a clear play. And, you know, sure enough, they, they turned out and my Ohio State pick uh, came true. Aaron, I thank you for kind of steering me away. If you recall, I was, <laughs> I was on the borderline of Rutgers or Ohio State, but I guess when in doubt, go with Go with the the better team giving points than the, than the worst team getting them. But um, you know, Saturday morning I was on the phone with my buddy before the games. Any games that even started, it was obviously after the Wisconsin game, so we we saw that debacle happen with with our pick. But you know, I, I questioned myself and I thought I, I don't know why I didn't go with Rutgers uh, on the road at Michigan State. They were getting what eleven or twelve points or something like that. And the more I thought about, it, I was on the phone and we were talking about you know bets and things. And I'm like, I'm like, you know, State we don't like. They're bad. We don't know how good they're going to be. Rutgers just like Chiano tend to win games, and I don't know. I I should with Rutgers. I didn't do it. But. Yeah, I mean, I just sure. Uh, but yeah, they 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 hadn't been keeping it close against Big Ten teams for for years. It was it was hard to see. But I'll, I'll kick off this week first if if you want. I'll say uh, 
Uh, I'll give me Northwestern in the points against Iowa. I think Northwestern's a better team this year. Getting getting two and a half. I know in the thing we did. I don't know if it's it's moved at all. Yeah, I'll take the Wildcats as my lock. I think it was a tough week where I didn't I didn't necessarily love everything or, or much at all. You know, this week, but that that that's one I did like. Northwestern, lock it up. I'll I'll make McMahon go last this week, and I'll uh, I'll take Ohio State laying eleven and a half at Penn State. Uh, I mean that. Justin Fields, if there was one quarterback that was equally as dominant as Mertz last week, it was Justin Fields. Uh, Penn State is, is beat up. I mean, I don't think their offense looked very good against Indiana last week. And they, they, they're out with, with their, their two top running backs are out for the rest of the season. Uh, I, I just think that the Buckeyes have too much firepower and are going to win by, by more than two touchdowns. So lock that one in for me. Yeah, I'm going the same. I think Zook, we're going to. Oh, all right, take the Nittany Lions, folks. Uh, <laughs> I did. I did. I'm on the other side of that one. Yeah, so I'm, I'm going Ohio State. It was a minus 11 and a half. Yeah. I'm taking Ohio State. Penn State just didn't look very good against Indiana. Uh, you know, I, I was surprised, and then they lose another running back. Uh, I think they're one dimensional as it is. They just became more more, more one dimensional. I know Ohio State gave up some points early on in Nebraska, but they they found their footing. I think, and I, I mean, they're gonna have to. Not, not only beat Penn State, but I think show, you know, put a butt whooping on them. And, and I do think they're going to. So I'm t- locking up Ohio State. I think there was one that we all, all six of us again, had had the same this week. True. Is it is it Indiana? Did we all take Indiana over Rutgers or no? I think so. Yes. Yes, I, we did. I'm looking at it now. So there you go. Rutgers. <laughs> Rutgers is the lock of the week in those points. And I was, I was torn on that one, but consensus play. Absolutely. And I'd be remiss if I didn't have our final note be uh, Aaron. My dad wants me to tell you, as he as he does multiple times throughout the season, to vote for Wake Forest into your top twenty-five if they get a win this week. I don't know. I think they play Syracuse. I can't remember, but uh, I don't know. Have you? Do you remember if you've been putting them in yet? Or maybe I haven't not put yet. them in, and I don't know if a win over Syracuse would do it. <laughs> All right, uh, we'll see. We'll see. <laughs> you probably I have. Say, yeah. I will say that Syracuse held its own against Clemson the first half last week. Um, they covered the spread, which was monumental. I think it was like 44 or 45 points or whatever it was. Um, so they, they surprised me last week, um, but their offense is just bad. Like I've watched a couple of their games this year. They struggled to move the football. So I, I don't think a win over the, the Orange Men would, would move the needle much. But we'll see. We'll see. Well, wasn't Syracuse the last team to beat Clemson in the regular season a few years ago? I think so. I, I I was thinking about it the other day. I couldn't remember if they actually won that game or not. I know that they were they were right there, but you could be right they actually, that they pulled it off. All right, where'd you have last thing? Where'd you have Michigan this week? I'm trying to remember. Did you have them at uh, 13 or something 14, like that? 14. 14. Yeah. yeah, I moved them up from 16 to 14. They were, uh, they ended up 13 in AP polls. So yep. Right about where I had. I had them actually ranked high. I've had them ranked higher the last couple of weeks than the general AP poll had. I moved them two spots. They probably deserved more because I thought the win was impressive. But again, there were so few teams that Ahead of them, they lost. Penn State was the only team ahead of them, ranked team ahead of them, they lost. So it's like you got to weigh their one win against some of these other schools, three, four, five wins. So the resumes are kind of tough. It was a difficult week to rank teams, but the more the, the more the Big Ten plays here, I think the more we'll be able to shake some things out. Absolutely. All right. Well, thank you all for listening to this episode. We're not giving our Michigan Mission State picks. Are we saving oh. that for the? For the Friday posts, or yeah, we give them a lot post, Yeah, you tell me. I don't like to steal your your thunder. No, let's give them. I mean, we did it last week, right? We got. I think we got. We did them last week. That's true. everyone but Andrew. Andrew that later on, after I gave mine on the podcast, he Andrew sends me his the same exact score. So, but hey, yeah. 
we were all we were all right there in that 31 to 27 to 30 range all right we don't need to you know rehash the epic (laughs) steak all right yeah i don't you tell me who who do you want who's pick you want to hear i'm going with michigan 42 michigan state 21 so the spartans cover but still lose by three touchdowns i have michigan 42 state i think was 14 i think i sent in Uh, i do think they cover i don't think michigan state scores a ton I do think they'll probably clean up the turnovers to some degree. I don't think they'll have as many, but Michigan's offense surprised me. Uh, And and I think, I think they got a good shot of of duplicating what they were able to do last Saturday against the Gophers. So give me Michigan uh, uh, covering and and winning big. Um, I missed your, both of your exact score predictions as I zoned out to really focus in on my pick and write it down. So if I have the exact same thing, I apologize, but it's Michigan 38 Michigan State 13. So kind of right there on the on the number, but not a not a competitive game, 38 to 13. All right. We'll watch and find out. We'll have a preview, more preview content um, in written form uh, and in, in video form. I'll be doing a uh, a video preview that you can jump in on Facebook and, and comment with uh, Michigan State beat writer Kyle Austin uh, tomorrow, so Friday. So check that out. And thanks for listening.